Well, here we are, Fork Sports Highway. Uh, boy, we got lots to go tonight. The name of the show is Twins Tumble, Yankees Perfect, <laughs> like that. Bedard the Blackhawk, um, James Harden opts in. He didn't opt out, he opted in. So he's going to be with Philadelphia then? Well, they're probably going to trade him, but this way he can still get his contractual amount. He won't be signing it, having to try to sign the same kind of a deal as a free agent, as an older guy. Um, but I'd be surprised if uh, there's as many suitors as they think for him. And then the last thing in our title is Dang Dang, four wins, Dang Dang, commits to UND, University of North Dakota football. Um, he is uh, a receiver and a defensive back on the four wins football team, and the guy's got really good hands, and he's six foot four, and he can leap. Um, I, I, I'm surprised to see him committing, though, to football because he's, he's basketball. There, there are many in the state that think he's the best basketball player in their state in high school. I don't know. What do you think, Bill? I don't know about that one either. I, I thought you had kind of talked about that, you know, last winter that – he might have a decision to make whether he was going to play football or basketball in college. Right. But. Well, and when I see that, I'm, I'm, I'm like curious, is, is, is there a chance you could do both? Well, there's a chance. I mean, there have been some people that have, <clears throat> have done. I know Tom Petrick played both when, when he was in college. Well, but, but the seasons kind of overlap. And, well, I mean, basically it's a year-round commitment, whatever sport you're in. Well, that's, and that's, that's, that's what kind of struck me is because, I, is, is it because he likes football more than basketball maybe in, in the long run? When, when, but I don't know. I mean, he's, he's got his whole senior year to play yet, well, both, both I, sports. I would say it has something more to do with what his future plans would be. And he may be thinking that, Football is a, you know, a pro, he might be a pro prospect in football. Well, that's a good point. That's a really and, great point. And maybe, maybe not in basketball. I mean. Well, obviously, because, you know, we certainly pump out a whole lot more pro football players out of the University of North Dakota and NDSU than we do basketball players in, the, in pro sports. Well, you know, you look at that guy from Devil's Lake, and he's about as good as you could possibly be in North Dakota. And. You know, they basically were saying, you're not good enough to get drafted, period. Well, and, and we're talking Grant Nelson there, right. and, and, and he did he did um, actually uh, committed to, to Alabama. Yeah, committed to Alabama. So, so Grant Nelson is no longer an NDSU bison. He's an Alabama what, Bearcat? What are they? Uh, Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide, yeah. They, they've got an elephant or something as their mascot. But they did, they did have a pretty decent season last year, and I suppose before I go much further, um, yeah, it's this Fork Sports Highway, and of course I'm discussing all this sports with the Bill, the legend Deutsch over here, and didn't introduce you, and we're missing... Oh, the, everybody knows me, Monty. Well, yeah, the not, man, in, in, the myth, well, the legend. Yeah, it's a, it not, in this town, you walk around with this guy, you got to stop every five feet, so he's visiting with somebody that remembers him. I, I'm, it's like he, sh- he might as well have been a school teacher. For, for for everybody that knows him, 
And then I forget over here the expert analyst, Dale Kulas, and our, our, our producer and, and, and stat man and all jack of all trades. Yeah, that's right. Ready to rock some sports. And this is always a crazy time of the year, you know. I always forget too, you know, usually I'm thinking, oh, dog, yesterday I was kind of doing some prep for the show and getting all my notes together. And so, oh, you know, it's dog days of summer now that basketball and, and, you know, other than, you know, USFL, but like, uh, you know, basketball's over, hockey's over, but then it kind of sneaks up on you. If you forget, you got the NBA draft, the hockey draft and the baseball draft all happen within a month of each other. And then, oh, hey, there's actually some decent stuff going on in WNBA. I even did their, some research on some MLS. I was joking with you guys before the show. And so, well, so and much stuff to go over. There's a race in Chicago or something, too, isn't there? The first ever NASCAR street race is going on this weekend in, in Chicago. First ever in its history. There's been a lot of other circuits, like F1's done a lot of street races. So IndyCar's done a lot of street races. But this is the first ever in NASCAR history. This is going to be huge. I'm super stoked for it. So much going on. Wow, I, did, I hadn't heard anything about that. And, and I see we got our man Keith Cummings in the chat. Keith! He'll keep us in line uh, anytime we start spewing mistruths and, 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 and half-truths and that kind of thing. He's or usually, don't remember everything, then yeah. he, he well, will help us. Good you know, fact checker. I, mm-hmm. I try to keep as much together as I can. But, um, like I said, I started out to, uh, with the title on the Twins Tumble. Yeah, twi- I, I, I'm, I'm rocking their shirt because they're celebrating that, thank God, they're no longer on top of the AL Central after two and a half months of 500, leading the league with like around a 500 uh, win-loss record. It was embarrassing. Well, they, like we've talked about, the Twins for, for years have lacked the pitching staff and, and have always produced pretty good hitters. And this time around, now they finally put together a pitching staff, and then the hitters that they have in the lineup, on paper, are pretty darn good hitters. Yeah. But but in reality, Byron Buxton, nah. He had some long, long struggles these last couple of weeks since coming back from his injury. Uh, I think I had it notated. I, he like went over 20-something, and then just yesterday he finally got a hit. I think he was like another, again, just like uh, over like – 15 or 17, something like that. Yeah. He's, he's, he's married in a long slump right now. Mm-hmm. And, and Joey, Joey Gallo, too. Oh, but don't, don't, <laughs> you don't have to remind me, Bill. I was going to get there. I was going to get there. Joey Gallo, man. The, okay, so they just played three games with the Braves. The Atlanta Braves are hot, hot, hot right now. And the Atlanta Braves have really great, deep, deep talent. Like they've got like 12 guys. Uh, all hitting pretty well, regular players. They don't even have enough room for all their hitters. And and so so the Twins roll into Atlanta and just get steamrolled, basically. Yeah. I got a fun quote here from Rocco Baldelli after the game, because after the last game of the series when they got swept uh, yesterday, uh, uh, the, they closed off the clubhouse to all media, so it was just Baldelli doing quotes to the, to the media. And I, there's this fun quote I got from Baldelli, quote, we're scraping just to score a run right now. Oh, and run. A, a run, a single run. And oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it, it's, a, it's just been sad. And, you know, last week we were talking about Joe Ryan, like, oh, all right, first twin player to pitch a complete game shutout in five years. Yes. And his follow up game afterwards gave up, you know, usually he's given up very minimal home yes. runs this year, very impressive. But yes. his, his last game this past week gave up five home runs in the first two innings. He only lasted three innings in their uh, Tuesday 2-6 to six loss to the Braves. It was... Uh, yeah, at one point in the game, the Braves had six hits and five of them were dingers. Yeah. 
I mean, you can't write that. I didn't see much of the the series. I uh, well, what I, I what I did see, Bill, was I watched like the third game of the set, and and um, Joey Gallo came to the plate, and he swung at the first pitch. He looked at the second pitch, and he swung at the third pitch, and he was out on three pitches. And the very bottom of that inning, an Atlanta Braves player came up, and, it, and, and he got out, but it took 12 pitches to get him out. A lot and, of fouls. Well, and, but that was the point, is that you got guys in Atlanta that are making the pitchers pitch, and you got guys in Minnesota that are standing up there swinging away at everything that's thrown at him. And, and, and then at the other, I watched Buxton come up to end the game and strike out. Yeah. And, and I'm like, this is the guy you're paying, what, $200 million or something like that? He was actually doing pretty solid until this what, coming, hitting that injury there and coming back from me because he took a, a beaner to the ribs. <laughs> and, well, yeah, but, 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 uh, but, he's, but, but since coming back, he's been dreadful. He, yeah, but he's also, the thing with him is that, okay, he's, all he's done is DH. Yeah. He's not played a lick in the outfield. I know one of the quotes we didn't get to it last week, but Baldelli had a quote last last because you know they're the as usual the media were, it's been a consistent question in the in, in games pre and post game press conferences. You know is Buxton going to be playing the outfield this year? And he he, he just flat out said he actually usually just quickly dismiss a question, but he had a record amount of media for one game and uh, about a week ago, and he just flat out he wanted details. You know we can't. You know we don't. It's, it's, Pretty much more or less said, I'm just paraphrasing, he, he's too injury-prone in the outfield. He's his own worst enemy in the outfield. So many times he's got hurt just running into the wall, not being too, care, too careful of the warning track, and just, you know, because he's so fast, and, uh, or collisions with other players. Yeah, he, he just got, got hurt way too often out there. Well, well, well he slid in at home one time, too, didn't he? Sit, that, yeah, exactly, And Bill. that did not look good. He... he so he'd been DHing, but then he the first time he went out and missed a few games because of injury was his own base sliding, mm-hmm. just like you brought up. And and so so he's injuring himself running the base paths too. And I'm like, this is the guy. I don't know if Byron Buxton is ever going to be a completely healthy baseball player. You know, I, I I try to because I'm a Yankee guy. I try to compare. Buxton is kind of the Giancarlo Stanton of the Twins. When Stanton is hot, the guy is hitting tape measure home runs like like Aaron Judge does, but he can't stay on the field either. And he's he's muscular. He's he's even more muscular and built than Buxton is, but he can't stay on the field because he's always pulling a hamstring or pulling a shoulder or, or it's something or one way or the other with him. And and so like New York fans are ready to get rid of him. They call him Plastic Man or you know, and 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 they they don't tolerate that. You know, fortunately for Byron Buxton, he plays in Minneapolis. Yeah, that definitely helps. Because they, they'll eat him up. And, you know, I don't know. you, you those, those East Coast mar- markets, and now the Twins are going for three games in Baltimore. Yeah, they start that up tomorrow at 6.05. Well, Baltimore is in second place in the American League East. And Baltimore is much like the Atlanta Braves um, and the uh, Cincinnati Reds with, with a core of really good young talent that is is ahead of schedule. And and I don't know, man. I see the Twins going in there and possibly getting swept there too. Yeah. They're one going against formidable teams. It's been it's it's been ugly this year, especially this last month. Uh 
a couple of bright spots from this past week. You know, Kenta Maeda made his return from injury, uh, and he actually went five five scoreless innings. that got their win, but that was like last Friday. And he his next game after that, he lost. He didn't look atrocious. It's just a lot of the bullpen didn't step up there too. Well, no, he 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 pitched pretty well in mm-hmm. the, in that start against the Braves. Yeah, uh, but uh, so that's one bright spot. Uh, I guess speaking of other injuries, uh, another pitcher for the Twins, uh, Jose De Leon. He is going to need a, a second Tommy John surgery, so he's going to be out for a long time. So, a second Tommy yeah, John. Yeah, on his right elbow. At first, put on the 15-day IR to get that checked out. And, uh, uh, yeah, so, yeah, a lot of bad stuff going on. But, you know, a good thing that will have good things going on, especially when you need to get broken stuff taken care of, treat you right, is from our friends at Northwest Tire. Bingo. Dale, you're so slick. Okay, Northwest Tires has a job opening. They're looking for front counter sales help. Working with customers, writing up works, work orders. We got a phone going off, too. Deal with selling tires and inventory of them. Since oh, no, it's not, it's not on my end. Is it your phone going oh, off, money? Oh, oh, oh. Never mind. Oh, oh. My brother, my brother. Uh-oh. <laughs> I was like, what is this? I could hear it. I couldn't see it. It's on vibrant. Sorry, folks. Northwest Tires job opening, front counter sales, working with customers, writing off work orders, dealing with selling tires and inventory of tires. Pay will depend on experience. They will have benefits including part-time paid off or part paid time off, health insurance, part-time paid off. Jeez, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> paid time off, health insurance, 401k and more. So pay, <laughs> paid time. Oh man, I'm blown. PTO, paid time yeah, off. Paid time off, health insurance, 401k and more. Call Chad Hoff, 701-780-8473. And or apply online at northwesttires.com. That's N-W-T-I-R-E.com, 701-780-8473, front counter sales help. And I'll just vouch for Northwest Tire. I can't remember if I said it on here or a different show last week. I, I had my shocks going on my vehicle, and Northwest Tire, they made sure to take care of me. Uh, they had me in and out in no time. And there was even one thing, some little hiccup along the way, and they didn't even charge me extra for it. So it was, it, it was yeah, Chad Hoff and the crew at Northwest Tire, they are awesome. They will, they will take care of you good. They're, they're yeah, out there on Gateway Drive, just on the other side of the interstate there. So. Well, I saw the Twins did have the dreaded players only meeting too yeah a players only meeting yeah baldelli pretty much said he needed to give him a pep talk <laughs> well yeah. i don't think baldelli is supposed to be in there when they're having a players meeting either well no but i think they've they've had a couple of meetings like that already and and you know who's the leader i mean who's who's the the veteran guy that's coming in and doing the talking <laughs> Joey Gosh. Gallo, I don't Joey, know. yeah, for, uh, for the Twins, I, I, I'm guessing their most experienced veteran, at least on the Twins alone, for st- most steady active player, I have to say Max Kepler probably. Well, I think they were pointing to Carlos Correa. Oh, Correa. Oh, as far as like long all all together, all yeah. teams combined. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I don't think Correa is actually a real talkative guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and he's another guy that's uh, had his own struggles. Yeah, he's so. been. He's actually been knocking out a few homers this last couple of weeks, but he's been in for power already. But as far as like overall average and all that, I think he's like around 200 or so. He's, it's been another lackluster year for him. And there's been a lot of talk in like, you know, local sports media, too, that saying they're, they're trying to make a hard push for the Twins to cut, cut bait with them because they're like... But well, they he, signed him to a pretty hefty deal, yeah. though. I mean, I, I don't know. You're, I think if the Twins 
could put a healthy lineup on the field, they'd probably be five, six games over 500. But the fact that they've got so many guys dinged up like that with so many little nagging-type injuries, I just don't see it happening. Um, as far as my Yankees and their big game last night, uh, a perfect game, the 24th perfect game in baseball history. You know, pro baseball has been going on since about, what, 1876, 1880, yeah. something like that. Late 1800s, yeah. And um, for, so for it to only be the 24th uh Perfect game and and like I think what I was reading the Yan- four of them were Yankees. Of course, yeah. Of course, we had the one Don Larson's perfect game in the '56 World Series, only one in the World Series. But uh, perfect games, um, that's 27 up and 27 down. Right? Yep. No no walks, no errors, no no hit runners getting on base that way. Very rare. I was I was kind of talking to Paul a little bit before the show uh, earlier in the day here in the studio, saying like. You know, just emphasizing, you know, the the just how big this is in baseball. Because we're trying to, I was trying to do the do some just quick math on how many baseball games are in baseball history. It's well into the six figures. I'm out. Oh yes, yeah, Yeah, easily, yeah. And what probably would you say safe estimate? Five hundred thousand baseball games in Major League Baseball history, at least, and a minimum. So. 500,000, maybe more likely 700, 800,000 MLB baseball games, you know, the top talent in all of baseball. And to go a perfect game with one pitcher, no runners getting on base at all, hit, uh, walks, errors. It's only happened 24 times. That's huge. Yes. Well, just even finishing nine innings is huge these days. Well, we, and we talked about that with Joe, Joe Ryan from the week before, mm-hmm. that we just, it's so rare these days, but. You know, the one thing is, is Domingo Harman, Jarman, Harman, Harman, um, for the Yankees is the guy that, you know, the twins were whining about with cheating because he had substance on his oh. hand and they checked him twice and let him continue to pitch. And then a couple weeks later, checked his hands and he got ejected and suspended for 10 games. And yeah, and he kind of has like a general, like higher than average, you know, starting pitcher ERA also. I think I was looking up, it's like around like a five point uh like one or something era oh yeah no he's when he's on he's untouchable but when he's off it's it's he's, bombs away it's so bombs what, he's away. got a real fastball or what well he's got a pretty good yeah it's near 100 miles an hour but he's got a lot of movement too and that's where the sticky stuff comes in oh okay you know and i also i was doing a little research too like you know we're talking about just how rare these perfect games are the last time it had it has happened was in 2012 with felix hernandez with the mariners so we'll have wow. to maybe but ask there was a supersonic like about him last year or something too or within the last couple of years well, so 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 11 years though since the last perfect game i would have guessed sooner but when there's only 24 in the history of baseball and so we're in 2023. I know there was like a no-hitter earlier this year. Yeah. Uh, well, No-hitters, you get maybe one or two of those a year about. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you can. I mean, and they're actually coming up more often, but a lot of times they're, well, I think the Yankees got no-hit by Houston last year, and it was one of those four pitchers, you know, combined to do it. It wasn't a solo pitcher mm-hmm. doing it. And, and that's more common these days for that to happen, but... No, there's not a bunch of Nolan Ryans out there getting seven no-hitters or Sandy Koufax and his four no-hitters and that kind of thing. Well, the All-Star game must be coming up pretty soon too, isn't it? Well, you know, the reason I'm talking about my Yankees, and you guys know I'm going to Colorado in the middle of July, right? And I I bought the baseball tickets and I bought plane tickets and got planned this trip before Aaron Judge ran into that fence in, Los, in Dodger Stadium. You guys know that, right? 
Well, he was trying to get a Dodger dog. Yeah, man. So what happened to him? So 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 he stubbed his toe on the on the base of that gate out there, that antiquated gate that needs to be changed. It shouldn't be there anymore. There's very few stadiums have anything like that. And so, oh, MRI comes back. Well, he didn't break his toe or his foot. That's a good thing. But now, in the week and a half or so right now, we find out he tore the tendon in his big toe. And the first reports were out it was a 10 days, 10-day IL, injured reserve. And, and now it's, then it was, well, he's not going to come back till after the All-Star break. Well, the first series the Yankees play after the All-Star break is against the Colorado Rockies in Colorado. But now it's starting to look like there's no timetable on Aaron Judge. He may not be playing till closer to October if they are still alive. I don't know. Kind of teeing me off. He won't be seeing Aaron Judge in Colorado. No. They're, they're, in fact, they're out there looking around to who's available to bring in and put in that lineup. Is that what you're going down there for, Monty? Is it the All-Star game you're going down there for Colorado? Or? No, that, the All-Star game takes place before that. Is it nope. in Colorado? No. No, the All-Star game is in... I'm, uh, I'm getting the date. July 11th is the All-Star game. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, the game I was going to was July 16th. Mm. So, so, yeah. But, no, I, I wanted to see the Yankees play the worst team in National League. <laughs> That's Colorado. Colorado. Colorado just got beat... What, was it? Was it not the California Angels here? Like in the last week, was that the one eighteen to five? Twenty three to nothing in the fourth oh, inning. Oh my gosh! You didn't see that? No. And the game ended twenty five to one. Twenty five to one. I think I think it was California that beat Colorado. Um, old big dog uh, uh, Bill Tanner was. I was talking to him, and he was posting stuff on that uh, old KJ one hundred eight guy. Um, but but he had posted. He he sent me a stat showing the score was twenty three to zero in the fourth inning. Oh, were you hearing it from multiple people that night, Monty? Oh yeah, people liked her. Oh gosh, hey, at least you had your moment in the sun yesterday to say to see your team, your 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 team just well, the Yankees and, and like Bills over here ribbing me still. The Yankees beat Oakland in Oakland eleven to nothing, and 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 and, and Bills saying like twelve people saw the game. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah. Well, yeah, they'll be if things go their way. I know they're still working through. They're trying to get it, get them lock a lock for Las Vegas. There, we're talking about in recent weeks. So. I think that has it's a done deal, isn't it? Yeah, I think I think it is. I think, I think at least they've got the land for it. I know that. Yeah, there. I I don't see how any way possible Oakland is going to keep the A's in, in Oakland. I'll give a um, shout out to Keith in the chat. He wants me to remind you, Monty. There's no crying in baseball. <laughs> Oh, because I'm whining about my game. I'm going to go see. Uh, well, I still like watching, uh, you know, uh, Major League Baseball. I don't care. It could be the worst teams in the league. You know, the, the last uh, live games I was at, I saw the Atlanta Braves uh, host the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates and the uh, New York Mets on back-to-back days. And at that point, uh, you know, the, 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 the Atlanta Braves uh, ended up winning the World Series. And, Having seen those two teams in, in it was June of that year, year before last, I didn't imagine that the Braves were going to win the World Series, not from what I saw. And, you know, so that, that was the one thing I thought I came out of that with 
was I, I got to see the World Series champions while they were still kind of fluttering along before they got in that stride. And that can happen in baseball. You know, a team can get hot late and just go. That's always fun to see, too. Is, you know, it's like in you know, your stereotypical baseball movie. See them, you know, where they turn things around. Uh, it's actually, it's, this is just super just nerdy and dumb, but one of my favorite baseball movies, uh, you know, Major League, Major League 2. Uh, that that's the story of those movies, you know, ragtag bunch, you know, they just suck to start off both of their in movie seasons. And then, you know, they find the magic to turn the capture lightning in a bottle to turn around. Usually they'll play a nice, uh, movie scene montage with them, like getting some hits or stealing some bases. And they got a catchy jingle that plays throughout it. They used it in both movies. It's in my running playlist because it gets those endorphins rocking. So, but no, no, it's, you know, it's like you said, it's, it's fun to watch a team just, you know, like I said, turn it around and make, make a chase for the playoffs. And outdoor baseball, you can't beat it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's that's the other thing, Bill, is is, is and Atlanta has that outdoor stadium, and, and it was like, there's nothing like that, sitting out in a baseball stadium on a hot summer night. Doesn't having, matter, having, mate. Having a Coors Light or, or a Bush Light or whatever. Not like being in the Metrodome. Oh, that was that was sterile. And that and same goes even for, on like minor league level. I'll make sure to do it a couple times a year at uh, the Red Hawks games in Fargo. And even we went last year, too, at... Uh, for the, the, the short-lived pilots. Uh, that, was, that was a blast, too, catching that outdoors. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I drove by Craft Field today. Oh, I think they're doing the construction now, right? Well, they did the destruction. Destruction, There's... yeah. <laughs> I remember doing a report on it for the uh, update when I was filling in uh, a few months back that they, they're yeah, going to be doing construction this season. They took the whole everything down. Because I think it's like a like I think they're completely redoing like the grandstands, so like the, the, the restrooms, ha- everything, yeah, everything. It's it's yeah, concessions, restrooms. I everything. thought they would just replace the bleachers and stuff on top, but no, they Not, took everything. They're doing everything, and they must be doing a, a complete rehaul of the field itself. Well, because you I don't saw know. when we were out there for the pilots. If you want to give uh, the Bluetooth uh, increase, there, there we go. Be. Hey, there we go. There he is. What's up, Steve? At the tone, please record oh, your wait. message. When oh, wait, no. Whoops. That was his voicemail greeting. <laughs> I, I, Steve, I saw I missed your call here. I was calling you back. Why don't you give you a call back when you have a chance here? You can go ahead and leave the volume up, Monty. So okay. there we go. Yep. So, oh, we missed that. All right. Well, we'll get well, you I think here. Grand Forks, they were thinking of getting turf in the outfield oh. where it's grass right now. So oh. just the infield is turf. But the infield turf was in rough shape. We saw that. Right. So they're going to replace that. But I think it just depends upon uh, fundraising if they're going to have enough money to do the outfield, too. Well, I mean, I suppose. I don't know. I, I, I kind of like the whole thought of infield turf and outfield grass. Just the combination of it. Is it... Oh, your camera. There you go. <laughs> well... <laughs> Spring, you know, when they normally play their baseball and stuff there, at least the Red River and, you know, Central, hmm. it'd probably be nice to have turf because it dries up a lot quicker and you can get out there a lot earlier than you can with with natural grass. Yeah. No, I believe that. that that's... Bill, from, from your UND days, did you prefer playing on, on turf or grass fields? Or? No, grass fields were definitely the best. Yeah. And UND had the, definitely the best grass field of anywhere because they didn't have lights at that time, so the high schools were, were never playing at UND. So 
the football field would get one day of practice we'd have on a Friday afternoon, and then just the home games would be the only thing that would go on on that field. I know so I, it was it basically immaculate. Gosh, yeah. Dennis Gunderson, the guy that he used to run the Zamboni and stuff. Oh, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, see, the reason I got to know who he was is because um, his older brother, brother Wally, used to live in the townhouses next to Lester and Erna. Oh. Over there on 24th Avenue. Mm-hmm. For, well, they were all old people, but they used to go over there and visit. And he was a kind of a... A, a jack of all trades guy that was always working on something, and well, he was. But 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 Gunderson, yeah, he did the Zamboni for ever and ever for UND. Well, and he did a great job on that field, but it's just because there was no traffic on it. Is Supersonic Steve in the house? Yes, I am. There Hello is. there. What's up, there Supersonic Steve? I can't do it like Raven. I'm sorry, no Raven yeah, we, this yeah, week. We, we got no Raven tonight, so so. Uh-oh. Shout out to Raven hey, by the way. Uh-oh. <laughs> Paul gave a supersonic Steve yeah, impression. Paul, Paul. There you go. <laughs> so, um, well, we've been, well, I've been sitting here gloating about the Yankees and their oh, man. perfect what game. A dan- what a dandy. And, and, of course, Bill over here is giving me grief because uh, nobody saw it because they were playing Oakland. <laughs> God, they are so bad, man. It's, yeah. it's a joke. Well, That's they- too bad. Well, apparently they had 15,000 fans last night. Which 12. Is, well, 12,000 fans, which is a big crowd for them uh, besides the, uh, the, the crowd they had when they tried to do the reverse protest when they ended up with 27,000 people or whatever it was. But they can't put people in those seats and, and that old coliseum or that old stadium they play in. And their history, they're going to Vegas. So there's no doubt about it. It's too bad, you know, because it's kind of like the Sonics with the history that the Sonics had, and the, uh, the A's have been around longer, I believe, than the yeah. Sonics. And yeah. Just to lose, you know, I mean, they had all those years with Reggie Jackson and Catfish Hunter, Ricky Henderson, all those guys, you know, and yeah. it's too bad to see them, you know, head out the door, but the city hasn't listened to them. They need to update their stuff, and, you know, you can't blame them for going to someone who will. Well, and, you, you know, you boy, you brought up some memories there. The Reggie Jackson teams, you know, that Oakland A's squad that won the 72, 73, and 74 World Series, I mean, they're Bell not. Bando, yes, Vita so, Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the guy with the mustache. Raleigh Fingers. Oh, gosh, yeah. Look, the mustache of all of baseball. Catfish Hunter pitched to Forum 2. Catfish Hunter, I think he was there before he went to the Yankees. <laughs> You're damn right he was Mark, there before he we went. We had Mark McGuire and The pitching staff in Oakland at that time was, was Blue Moon Odom, Vita Blue, Ken Holzman, Catfish Hunter, with Raleigh Fingers as as the closer guy and the relief man. And, I mean, I think all those guys, uh, except maybe Blue Moon Odom, are Hall of Famers. And then you, oh, had, yeah. you had Joe Rudy. You had somebody Rick, stealing bases all the time, too, didn't Burt you? Campanaris. Ricky Anderson. Well, Anderson. well, Ricky came after those guys, but Burt Campanaris was... Burt Campanaris, was, shortstop. Oh, and, Burt, yeah. and Burt Campanaris was one of those guys that played, like, uh, in a game, he played all nine positions one time. Yeah. Ricky threw a bat at the pitch. And, and threw a bat at the pitcher. That's right. In in a, in a playoff game, 
That's right. He had enough. Ricky yeah. Henderson has some longevity. He, I think he started in like 78, 79, so he, he was around for a while. Well, yeah, but he wasn't on those 72, 73, 74 teams. And, and in fact, free agency in baseball began with the Oakland A's. Yes, it did. With the uh, What was the owner of that team? Uh, with the hat, he always had a hat on. Yeah, um, uh, Charlie O. Finley. Finley, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the one that kind of started all that stuff. Well, he wouldn't pay those guys, so they jumped ship and no, went and paid. That's right. Well, here we go. We got we got this video ad. We got to get in here, and uh, it's where where producer Paul buys all his shoes. So here we go. <laughs> For free special orders when shoes aren't in stock, and free in town delivery. Churchill Shoes has operated in Grand Forks for over 65 years and over 75 years of shoe fitting experience on their staff and can cater to all of your footwear needs. Open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 and Saturday from 9 to 3. Call 701-772-8256 or online at churchillshoesnd.com. Next time you're in need of footwear, give us a try. Your feet will be glad you did. Churchill Shoes in the Grand Cities Mall. The ad. Yep, we're back. Churchill shoes. Okay, so so we were we were in here talking about the Oakland A's of the early seventies and and all those players on that team. Um, we didn't mention Jose Canseco. Well, yeah, but he's he's later too. He's the Mark McGuire and the, and yeah. the steroid era. But that Oakland A's team had all the pitching, and and they were famous for that. They were famous for those those those. Mustaches and beards, and Mustache. I thought yeah. the uniforms were pretty unique too. Well, that too, the bright, the bright yellow and green bright, uniforms. Yeah. Um, let's see, and who did we say was the manager? Dick Green, I think, was the manager to start with. Um, well, then uh, the guy that came, Dick Williams, was there for a bit too, that, wasn't that's, he? That, no, Dick Williams is the guy. That's that's what I was thinking. Dick Williams. Yeah, yeah. And I think Dick Williams managed the t- the first two teams that won the World Series, and then there was some- Austin. Some follow. Yeah, he coached at Boston too before he went to the A's. Yes, he did. Yeah. Well, the Twins were in the same division as them at that time, wasn't it? Yes. Wasn't it just the yeah. East well, and the West? Yes, yes. There was two divisions, and so we used to see or hear them quite a bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was only the two divisions, and and back in those days, the um, the the we were happy to. See the the Twins finished as highest third in the division. Because, was that what Tony Oliva, Carew, that group? Yeah, yeah. Well, Tony O was at the end of his career, but Carew was in the in the in the prime of his career. Killebrew, Killebrew, Killebrew there. Yeah, Killebrew yeah. and Zoilo Versailles. No, well, he's a little yeah. earlier than that. But um, was uh, Bert Bert around pitching that? Well, Bert Bert did a couple stints with the Twins. You know, he started out as a twin as a as a young man, and then he left. So Bert was, it, it, boy, you guys start me now. <laughs> Bert Belay eleven was in. A, it was a starting pitcher for the Minnesota Twins in the 1970-1971 playoffs. The Twins were in the playoffs. Okay, so the Twins yeah. Twins were in the '65 World Series and lost to the Dodgers in seven games. Then there was a drought. Then they won. Like in '70 and '71, actually, Bob, Bob, Billy Martin was their manager one of those years. She was, and 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 the Twins made the playoffs. And Burt Blyleven was a young pitcher for the Twins in '70 and '71, those playoff years. And then they traded him away, 
and Bert Belialov and surfaced on the We Are Family 1979 Pittsburgh Pirates. So Bert Belialov. That's right, he did. That's right. Yeah, yeah with uh, Parker and Stargell and all those guys. Yeah, well, Hall of Famers yeah. all around there. Yeah. Uh, Rennie Stennett, uh, 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 Al Oliver, Manny Sanguian, that bunch. So the 79 Pittsburgh Pirates. And then Burt made his way back to Minnesota in yeah. 1987. Say, he made it back. Wasn't that his last season or like one of his last seasons? He was yeah. able to finally get that, yeah, that and, world and championship. So, so he ended up with, with, with World, Seri- World, World Series championship rings with Pittsburgh and Minnesota. And now he lives on to this day in the commentary. Is he, or is he still doing commentary? He, he is, but he also he made it into the Hall of Fame yeah. here in the last few seasons. Um, he was one of those guys they held out because he didn't have 300 wins, but nobody had a better curveball in the history of baseball. Did you guys ever have uh, Bert circle you on uh, on on a telecast? Ever bring well, a circle me? We Bert wanted sign? Marnie Gellner to circle us. <laughs> no, I, I didn't have Bert do anything like that. But I, I just that 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 history that that early 70s uh, Major League Baseball history. I'm I'm one of these guys that I could talk about the the. Oakland A's or or the the big red machine, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, yeah, Pittsburgh, uh, Baltimore yeah. Orioles, uh, uh, those Dave go- McNally, all the five guys have got two uh, twenty wins. Yes, and 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 the Brooks Robinson and Mark Belanger and and Boog Paul, yeah, Boog Paul, Bobby Gritch, that whole bunch, Paul Blair. I mean. El Bumbry, I mean, Andy Etcheberry, I mean, those guys, those are names I'll never forget. And now that you guys, you got me going on these old-time baseball stuff, today I was online, and I was arguing with some guys. And the argument was, Roger Maris, does he belong in the Hall of Fame or doesn't he? And I always fall back to the position that, well, he played on three World Series teams, two with the Yankees, St. Louis. And, and St. Louis, the two most storied um, Franchise. franchises in the history of baseball. The, the winningest National League club and the winningest American League club. And he won championships with both of them. Plus, he hit 61 home runs. Plus, he was MVP of the American League twice. I think he was a rookie of the year also, right? Well, I, well, I don't know, but was he? I believe so. But, but, he, but, but, he, but he had – so they're like, well, he, the season before he hit 61 home runs – he had 33 home runs and over 100 RBIs. Then he hit 61 home runs and had like 114 RBIs. Then he, then he um, uh, followed that up with like 39 home runs and over 100 RBIs, and those were his best seasons, those three. Those are good. That's a good year, man. And, you know, 39 and over 100 RBIs, that's a, that's a damn good year for anybody. Yeah, and, and to do that, to do that uh, three times in a row, and then, and then, and then to um, he, he was MVP twice, and, and to win three World Series. And I'm like, I don't care if his numbers after that. He had one other season where he like had 28 home runs, and another season where he had over 20 home runs, and one with 19. And I don't know, he finished with like 850 RBIs and 275 home runs. But I tell these guys I was arguing with, when I say the name Roger Maris, it's synonymous with baseball. I don't oh, give, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I don't Anywhere give, you go, yeah. I don't give a shit who you are, where you're at. You say that name, it's synonymous with baseball. And, and I said, okay, you've got general managers, you've got coaches and managers, and you've got broadcasters in the Baseball Hall of Fame. 
what the hell kind of numbers did they put up? Well, I always kind of viewed it as, okay, you know, you got your broadcasting wing, you got your coach wing, and I kind of, you know, you, you judge each wing according to its own criteria. You know, okay, the best of the broadcasters here, the best of the players here, and so on and so forth. And, uh, well, when, when, when a baseball player, and, and the thing is, is that for years and years and years, the two guys for up here in Northwest or in North Central America were Roger Maris and Tony Oliva. Because, well, of course, Tony's career got cut short with the injuries. But three batting oh, titles. Bad wheels with them. Is that bad legs? Yeah, knees, knee, knees, yeah. knees. Back in the day when they cut your leg completely open to repair it, and and but he had the three batting titles. He led the American League in hits five times. But well, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, he is. He is now. But he didn't win any World Series. The only one. Yeah. He, the only one he played in was 1965 when they lost. And I'm comparing his numbers. So Tony O ended up as a 304 career hitter. Roger Maris ended up about a 250 to 260 career hitter, but he had that 61 he was a home power run. Power hitter, and he was yeah, a power yeah, hitter. Total difference. Exactly, exactly. That's that's then that's my point. If Tony O's in, Roger Maris is in. Well, Mantle's in. Yeah, and he had a short career too, but he had 500 home runs. Uh, no, he had, he had a long career, 51 to 68, 17-year well, run. It was kind of interesting, too, that they had the Roger Maris Golf Tournament in Fargo this weekend, and it's unbelievable the people that come back. Yeah. There's a bunch <laughs> of golf tournaments going on. I yeah. mean, guys that you know would have never even seen Roger play, I don't think. Well, And they just want to come to this tournament for some reason. It, well, it, where good, was it at? Was it in Grand Forks? It's in Fargo. 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 Okay. Yeah, they've got a Roger Maris Cancer Center there, so all the proceeds and stuff from this tournament go to that. Yeah, and oh, they, that's awesome. That's yeah. cool. I know, and, and and it's it's nice to see all the people that still come back and all the newer celebrities that want to be in it come back and 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 take part in the money. And his sons and the mother and <coughs> well, Roger Junior. Yeah, because um, well, he was on some of the Minneapolis talk shows this week, and I was trying to get in and talk to him. Oh. And and they they were talking about um, uh, sports athletes in in movies that uh, made you want to uh, know who those people were or or to watch what what you thought. And I always go back to the old. Are you talking about playing themselves or just like an like no a, no? In the Most times they were playing somebody else. Mm-hmm. But there there's a movie from from uh, the Yankees history where. Um, it's called Out at, Out at Home. And it's about this little boy that escapes from his... Well, first he tells all his, 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 his Little League teammates that his dad knows the Yankees and that he can get Mickey Mantle and Roger Maris to come t- to this, this banquet they're having or to, to see these kids. And he's lying, of course. His dad doesn't know the Yankees, but they're in, Flor- <laughs> they're, they're in Florida for training camp. This is where the, this is, takes place in Florida. And the kid stows away on this truck and goes, and goes to where the Yankees are having training camp and hides out and ends up in Mickey Mantle and, and Roger Maris's room. And Mickey and, Yan- and Mantle are playing themselves. Uh, Mickey and Roger are, are playing themselves in the movie. And... I'm a little kid watching this movie, and, and I, I, I feel like I'm this kid. That's, that's who I always wanted to be, the kid that went and stowed away with Mickey and Roger. And, and I'm like, they played themselves, and it, it's, it's, I don't know, 1960? 19, you know, well, I know they had one with Joe DiMaggio in it, too, didn't they? Well, they probably did. That's the Yankees. But 
the clipper. I mean, yeah. But, but no, I, 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 and that, that was my thing was I wanted to know if, 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 if Roger Jr. as a kid, if he ever watched that movie of his dad. Gosh. Yeah, I, I was completely unfamiliar with that movie. I'll have to look up some clips here, but uh, yeah, I know there's a few other uh, baseball uh, numbers that I, I kind of wanted to throw out at you from that happened this past week here. Uh, if that's all right, we'll throw away. Um, you see the big, uh, uh, you know, Shuei Otani th- broke another record this last week. I don't know if you heard about that in the news. He had two homers. I, I know. I saw that. Yeah, first uh, American League pitcher, nearly sixty. You know, that's been the number we've been stressing lately. Quince, ironically enough, first AL pitcher in sixty years, nearly sixty years, to hit two homers and strike out ten batters. So I thought that that was kind of interesting. That was against the White Sox in their four to two uh, Tuesday win. Uh, and are the Angels actually thinking of not signing this guy? That'd be crazy. Yeah, oh, he's man. he's leading the majors with 28 home runs right now. So yeah, yeah, and he's still uh, he's one of their uh, starting pitchers, isn't he? Like he's yeah, one yeah. of the top four. Yeah, he's in their rotation. Yeah, uh, wow. yeah, yeah. The last AL pitcher to do it was uh, Cleveland uh, Indians Pedro Ramos in uh, 1963. And then, I don't know if any of you kept up with another baseball number I had this week was uh, LSU winning the College World Series. There. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did I see did, that. I watched that. I did watch that. First, first that, was a good, that was a good tournament. That was fun to watch. I know baseball's huge for LSU. I had a buddy uh, that went there. Uh, it was his uh, alma mater uh, many years back. And he would always tell me how college baseball was huge in the South. And it took me by surprise at the time because, you know, it's the college baseball scene up here. I mean, well, obviously, UND got rid of it a while back there, so... Uh, but yeah, LSU Tigers. Yeah, they yeah well, first title. Spring in- isn't a, a real advantageous for baseball, and uh, you have yeah. to be done by May. Oh, true. Well, and especially when the the, the snow is still piled four feet high in right. April, and they've already supposed to have scheduled and started this beginning of April. And, and and you start out. UND used to go to Murray State all the time, and that's was in Kentucky. Huh. They they bust down there and. They'd lose, like, their first 20 games because they hadn't even been outside to pick up a grounder. Oh, I, when I was in college at UND, I remember watching them always inside his Slop Sports Center. That's where they were hitting batting practice and throwing the ball around. Monty and Steve, you guys said you caught some of the College World Series? Oh, I watched all of it. Yeah, no, it was it was fun. I Florida and LSU, man, you're, you're talking, you know, that's where – you know, down there, they live that stuff. I, mean, I tell you, the yeah. one that I was really following, though, was Oral Roberts. I was, too. Oh, yeah, was they too had a bad. great run. Great yeah. run. Yeah, I was surprised they got beat when they got beat. But, yeah, it, it's amazing that you know, Oral Roberts could stay with these teams. Where is or, where's the, Are they in Texas? Where are they at? I think they're in Tulsa. Yeah, they're in Oklahoma. Okay, okay. all right. Yeah, no, I watched it, and uh, that one kid from uh, what was it, LSU? He got on base every game he played his senior year. Well, there was one for Oral Roberts too that had a forty-three game hitting streak. Wow. Now I don't know if this guy had a hitting streak, but he was on base every game they played, uh, like seventy-five games or seventy-three games. So, but I don't know if they were all hits or not, but. Uh, that's pretty impressive. I mean, I don't care what any level, even slow pitch. Well, so now you you guys brought that up, you know, so what a 43-game hitting streak for a college kid, and that makes me think immediately to 
uh, Joe DiMaggio because you brought him up, the Yankee Clipper with the 56-game hitting streak, and you look at a record like that. And, and so in all of sports, when you think across the board, what's probably the most unlikely record to ever be broken? You think, you think it's that one? Either that or Cal Ripkins. Yeah, yeah oh, those two. Boy, that's a good one, yeah. yeah both of those, yeah. Uh, both uh, baseball records. Um, yeah, yeah, the the hitting streak and the – because nowadays you always see, like, I, every couple of years I find myself uh, just doing a good old Google search. You know, what's the current uh, closest uh, active uh, player start streak? And usually you're lucky if it even gets above 1,000. So it's usually just a few hundred usually. Well, the jello shot guy <laughs> – Came up with he he. They apparently like the number eight in LSU, and their best player wears number eight and stuff. So the guy bought eight thousand eight hundred and eighty-eight five-dollar Jello shots. Wow! <laughs> and somebody had done six six thousand earlier in the week. So I mean, LSU was on the board, and they they were ahead by. At least ten thousand shots. I saw some results of that. It was like they were up by double digits. I mean, way up there. Well, I don't know who was drinking them all because wow, I, I I can't think that that Rocco's bar is that that big of a place. And so 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 Jello shots over the fifty six game history. No, I I don't know. I, I I'm, I'm like. Because I'm a basketball guy too, I'm like, okay, Wilt Chamberlain's hundred points. In the yeah, I would say yeah, that oh yeah. The, or or the Los Angeles Lakers from '72 winning 33 straight games. That's up there. You know those the or or the UCLA Bruins 88 game win streak. You know yeah. that's up there. I see Keith in the chat agrees with the Cal Ripken record there. That is or or Danny McLean maybe. Well, I was going to say John Wooden and his UCLA Bruins winning seven straight national titles. Well, didn't Joe DiMaggio have, like, all kinds of hits, too? Well, I mean, 56-game hitting streak. I mean, the guy must have, well, I don't know, Pete Rose and his over 4,000 hits in baseball. There ain't nobody going to get to that. Nope. And and much like what we talked about there again, Same. you have just as fervent arguments whether Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame or out, as you do with Roger Maris, these guys that you're talking to out there in, in, in social media land. And I'm like, well, Pete Rose, another guy, three world championships, MVP of the National League, played on two different teams winning national uh, uh, world championships, all-time hits leader. but must You know something else about him? He was all star at like five different positions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's another great point. You know, whenever they needed somebody to change change spots so they could fit in, that was going into the nineteen seventy five season because Pete Pete Rose was a left fielder at that time, yep. Cincinnati yep. Reds, and they had George Foster and Ken Griffey Jr. And the big issue that Sparky Anderson had as a manager was how could he fit those two guys into the outfield with the outfield he had because he had Cesar Geronimo in center field with the biggest gun in the, in the league. Oh man, that guy could fire. And, and, and so to get Griffey and, and, and uh, George Foster into the outfield, Pete Rose moved to third base and became yep. an all-star third baseman. 
after playing most of his career in the outfield. And after that, he went to first base yep. and was an all-star at first base. I, I, I think mean, I think I got a few records that I finally thought of here that was uh, ruminating in my mind here for a little bit. But, uh, you know, I guess you say Russell's 11 NBA championships. Oh, yeah. yeah that's that's, that's going to be hard. And then was it Tom Brady's Super Bowls? All those. There that's you go. that's yep. gonna be the seven. Uh, yep. yep. And uh, and then I got I was kind of I remember seeing a little mini documentary on this a while back. But the longest prof- well, it says professional of all these professional quotes. It was a minor league baseball game played in one shot without breaks. That uh, 1981 game, 33 innings, eight hours and 25 minutes. Actually, no, they did take a break later on, but I think when they picked it up like a couple days later, it only went like an inning and a half. But in one night, they played to something like three or four in the morning. It was crazy. Didn't we have the Tampa Tampa Bay Rays, too? Didn't they win like 18 games or something to start the year this year? Home games. I think it was over 20, actually, Bill. Tampa Bay Rays won like 22 or 23 straight home games. And we don't even remember that. No, well, that's... You know, those guys, they... They got a nice program there. For yeah. some reason, I don't know how they do it, but man, they they're always in there. Well, they're spending half the money of the I know. of the Orioles, Red Sox, Yankees, and and uh, who's the, who's the other team? Uh, Tam, uh, uh, Toronto. But I was going to say, now that we brought up all these records. There's a couple other records too um, in the NFL. The Tony Dorsett 99 yard touchdown run. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, and then up here. For the University of North Dakota, we got the legend Bill Deutsch. What is that record, Bill? I think it's 98. 98-yard touchdown run from scrimmage. And and you know what, Supersonic, you know what happens when, when, when a team is pinned down on the one or the two-yard line? It's usually like a blast or a, 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 a quarterback sneak where they're just trying to get away from the goal line. So it's very rare that we're ever going to see a guy get a handoff and and – Bolt, no. bolt down the field like Bill did. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, wow. 98 yard touchdown run. It actually started out that we were on the one yard line, and I did actually go to the right on a basically a dive, and only got a yard. So was at the nine or so I was on the two yard line, and then all of a sudden we just went left, and the the hole just opened up, and I just. Ran as fast as I could because the coach told me that if you ever get caught from behind, I'm pulling you out of the game. <laughs> did you need air? Did you need some air after that? Yeah, I, I did. And then some guy would come up to me, this Mike Wutsky, and he says, I think you're going to get 100 yards today. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> oh, good job. That's good awesome. job. Uh, you uh, put it. money on it. Yeah, yeah, put money on it. <laughs> well, I've been I've I've been at, at at several University of North Dakota football games, sitting in the stands right next to Bill when UND is lined up on the one. <laughs> yeah, I get a little nervous, and I nudge him, and I go, "Today's the day. Today's the day." And they like maybe get a yard. <laughs> Yeah, I guarantee he's at safety then. Yeah. Oh, man. It's pretty rare. And, and, you know, we had um, the current uh, offensive coordinator. Actually, now he's the current uh, assistant head coach. um, Oh, Freund. Danny Freund on. And and when we talked about Bill's running prowess, and and, and he said, well, he thinks that's a pretty safe record. (laughs) I would think so. I would say so. I think you're in good shape, Bill. You don't have to worry too much. 
Well, there's obviously lots of chances that caught from behind from all over the field when, when you're going 98 yards. But uh, there was a guy out there that was kind of on my tail that I couldn't see, but one of our wide receivers kind of set a screen for me. Oh, well, there you go. So that definitely it's all it takes. Yeah. When it goes in the book, it doesn't say, well, he almost got caught. Well, no, it goes down as a touchdown. All I know is we had uh, – you and University of North Dakota head football coach on one week here last year, and and he said that what he recalls is because because head co- head football coach Bubba Schweigert's uh, younger brother was a quarterback also on the uh, Bills team. I, I don't know if he was a starter or not, but he was on the team, and and um, so Bubba talked about being a younger guy coming to the games, and he seems to think Bill used to run over a lot of people. <laughs> Well, probably ran over a few. Watch out for that bus. <laughs> I, we got a comment in the chat there. Cool. Uh, it didn't show up there for some reason, but it showed up on the other one. Or did you see it, Monty? No, or no, I didn't. You must, you must have accidentally swiped it out yeah. there. Uh, it's, it's at the bottom there. The bottom. Okay, let me see what we got. William is a legend. <laughs> yep. Sandy Stenslin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard... Dad told me one time, he said he didn't ever want to be tackled by one guy. Yeah, that's that's another good one. Yeah, is that true? Well, that's, that's what my brother Chuck used to say when he played. So I kind of nope. use that line. I use that line too. Well, all I know is, you know, I've, I've met – Bill's older brother, Mike, and his other brothers, and there's six of them, and they all played football and different sports for Shanley High School, the Roger Maris School in this country, and and um, they, they were a dominant bunch, and Bill's the youngest one of the group, but I, I just can't imagine trying to feed those boys back <laughs> in the late 60s and early 70s because they, they're, they're like, they, they eat like horses. A lot of good meals, I bet. Couple bales of hay and some oats, I think. <laughs> lots of lots of hamburger hot dish and oh man, that's us too. Tuna noodle casserole. Well, yeah, casseroles yeah. rule. And and you know today's Pampered University athletes, even here in North Dakota, they get they get all those meals. I don't know, and I think well, Bill, the, the hockey gets the meals. Yeah, they they get like catered meals. They got chefs. That, yeah, that work for them. Yeah, and and. No, she- are you kidding me? Yeah, and they tore down Walsh Hall. Yeah, so 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 these guys are getting like like private chef buffet type meals, and and back in your day, did you get even three meals in a day? Well, we just went through Wilkerson as yeah. You were eating a cafeteria like a regular college student, right? And eating a lot of toast and uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we didn't we didn't get the same stuff that the hockey players get. I was I was sitting in uh, a dining uh, cafeteria at NDSU when I was a kid going to camps down there, and and summer school was going on, and I was watching a guy one time, sitting there, in in so he must have had a, a, a like a, a summer pass to eat at the, at the cafeteria, and he was sitting there, and he was stuffing pieces of pizza into his backpack. Oh gosh. Must uh be looking around like all the, and we're just little kids going, Look at this guy over here. <laughs> oh. He was taking advantage. Yeah, well trying to get yeah, probably his his meals for the week. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I used to yeah. always I liked green grapes and 
they'd come in season and stuff like that. I always take some with. Got to have some leftovers for later, right? Yeah. Oh, so Bill was grabbing a, a bunch of grapes to hit the road with. Huh? Yeah, I liked. I definitely liked the the grapes. Okay, I I didn't uh, put in our uh, title at all, but. Uh, what do you got going there, Dave? Oh, I was going to say, I think we're about ready for this last ad here. Oh, what? Is that a video ad? Uh, no, it's, uh, oh, yeah, it's the uh, River Cinema. Oh, yeah, oh that's my ad. Yep. Never but, mind. Uh, Paul, but you're a speaker. Uh, if you got another thing. Yeah, oh, okay. I think I'm going to let you have this one. Oh, okay. I'll go to town on this guy here. So we want to give a shout-out to our friends at River Cinema 15 and the Shire Bar and Grill, and they're the place to go to to make your next dinner and a movie destination. Both are located in the River Mall in East Grand Forks. Now you can dine either inside the movie memorabilia laden restaurant themed rest, uh, restaurant, the Shire, or take your meal to go to the to the movies. So actually, get you to a, put it in a to go box, bring it in the movies. If you want to bring a nice burger, grilled cheese sandwich, like not just a grilled cheese, their custom grilled cheese sandwiches are amazing. Uh, yeah. Great, great option to do. Some of this week's featured attractions at the River Cinema 15 are Asteroid City, No Hard Feelings, Elemental. I know opening tonight is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, fifth Indiana Jones movie. I'm going to see it tomorrow. I am super, super stoked to see well, that I on was, the big screen. I was there today, and I went to No Hard Feelings. No Hard Feelings? Well, that's like Jennifer Lawrence, right? Yeah, it yeah, was her- Jennifer Lawrence, and it's a, kind of just a... Rom-com kind of deal? Raunchy type type show but they had a commercial on there for gfbs you saw the gfbs commercial yes yeah right. yeah right. there we go you got you got to got to see it in uh yeah i know paul was finally happy to see it finally in the theater there was a, a few weeks ago you thought it was a myth for a while but no, I, I saw it twice yeah i've seen it in the weeks leading up enough. we actually got a call back from it too Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, earlier this week, yeah, someone called in uh, referencing it saying, hey, we heard about the ad. Yeah, they had about 10 different ads on there at least. Yeah, yeah. So uh, don't forget, uh, they you can find their complete showtimes on rivercinema15.com. They got their Tuesday special, $5 movies all day long, and the 550 senior matinee special on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, as you saw some of the video footage earlier, River Cinema has luxury recliners, expanded concessions that now serve adult beverages, and it's family owned and operated by the same company that runs the Grand Theater in Crookston. And for that Crookston, uh, for those showtimes, you could check out their website, morefamilytheaters.com. There was plenty of open seats there today, I'll guarantee you. Yeah, I don't think there was another person in the theater. Man, I love summer in the movies. If you need to get out of the house, out of the heat, AC it up at the at the at the movies. That's well, I was kind of thinking I should have just stayed there and gone to the Indiana movie because oh. Indiana Jones movie because I thought it said it was starting at three forty-five. I would say usually for those. Uh, like the big movies, usually their first official day is Friday, but they'll do like the sneak preview showings. Like the day, they, usually it's in the evening before. I think is when the earliest showings are on on the Thursday before. But they, they keep making them earlier and earlier because they used to only be up until like a few years ago midnight movies. Uh, first minute of min, uh, midnight on Friday. Then the last several years they keep easing up on it. So you, you could get into it on Thursday night at eleven, then ten. Now as early as like seven or six or five or so. So. That's a pretty good deal, but yeah. So Bill took in a movie this afternoon, and, and you know, you, you, we bring that up, and I know because we do this ad, and that's a nice place over there, and we ate over there. Uh, yeah, week, I still haven't eaten there week, yet. week ago, and I, um, that might be the coldest beer in town. 
Well, what's Ooh. what's the best food over there, Monty? Um, well, I had a, I went pretty pretty calm. I went with a burger, and and then my buddies had the poutine and I, the, you know the gravy with the waffle fries and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But the beers came in frosty mugs with with Ooh, just just a that. slight amount of slush in them because they were so cold. And you know, I don't know. I might have had half dozen or so. Something like that. <laughs> The what big, are you uh, giving? Are you giving up or something? Well, no, that, that, they were the Sandy big ones driving. Yeah, yeah, she was, but, but but well, actually, she wasn't even there. She came and paid for my meal at the end. <laughs> All right, <laughs> but, but you got a good wife, my friend. You got a good wife. Yeah, well, so 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 anyway, we had that, and um, what I was uh, thinking about was Bill. You know, being a retired guy, being able to catch movies like that and all that—that's that's got to be grand. <laughs> Well, I just, I don't know, just wanted to get out of the house, I guess. And and, and I, I guess, the, the, and I won't belabor this, but um, our other movie theater in Grand Forks, on the Grand Forks side, AMC theaters is closing. I think today's our last day, I believe. Yeah. yeah. And and that's kind of sad to see. It's weird. I remember, I, I remember when it opened, it's weird. I, I used to be so big into keeping up with like the movie listings all the time. What was coming in week to week. I remember the year it opened 1994. I remember I could probably tell you probably like almost all 10 movies that opened there that day, but I remember I saw a movie there the first week it opened. It was three ninjas kick back. <laughs> well, I've always gone to the river cinema. That's always been my place to go. I, yeah. I don't know that I've ever been to the one out by Sam's club. Well, the, 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 the AMC theater at one point there, that was the, um, the new movie. The marquee theater in town. Yeah, before there was before there was the East Grand Forks stuff. And then, of course, um, in, in the time I've been in Grand Forks, there was the old Empire Theater. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then there was the Twin Theater here oh, in the yeah. small. Plaza Twin. Plaza Twin. Columbia 4. I went to, there was just two in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, Columbia 4, yeah. Where, where, the, where, where the Olive Garden stands. Yeah, gosh. And Plaza Twin was awesome for its last several years. They were doing, like, dollar movies. Our yeah, family would but, go but there I all mean, the time. It's, it's kind of a, well, because of all the streaming services and all that kind of thing, the, the fact that the Moore family has been able to make a go of what they've got going on over there is wonderful. I do want to get on another sports topic yeah. with you guys while well, I got you all on. That, that was the best one ever. Well, here we go. WDAZ. Oh, yeah. Or WDAY. Yeah. That used to be called the Cinema International. Yep. It, it was like only one screen, but it was usually where the triple A blockbuster was playing, and it had the most seats of all the auditoriums at the time. And yeah, I think that was where I saw Jurassic Park. That was one of the last movies it played. I believe it shut down in '93. Uh, There's balcony seating too, right, Paul? I believe yep. balcony up high. And when you showed up there, like it was like it seemed like an art house. Yeah, it yeah. was professional stuff. I mean, yeah. It was good. Well, no, the, and, and that's you guys are bringing up a time in our, our country that. Boy, wouldn't it be nice to be able to roll back into something like that, where the the movie theaters were that decadent mm-hmm. and 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 it, well, everything about it was special yeah. when you were out. Whether yeah. when you but went, everybody just wants to be able to watch them at home. Mm-hmm. Well, no, everybody wants everything now. Yeah. So so we get crap for movies. I mean, not all of them, but they're 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 throwing them out. You know, where where it used to take years to make a quality movie. You know, just imagine how long it took Francis Ford Coppola to do the Godfather movies. Oh gosh, yeah. Versus yeah. how they're throwing them together Prestige, now. Prestige picks, yeah. You know, they it, still have those in the in the day, but uh, I, I know we got derailed there for a bit. I don't mind. You said you had some more well, sports. Stuff. Well, the one thing I wanted to talk about because it's been a big deal in Minnesota sports, but 
Um, the Orono girls hockey team. <laughs> I, I, I've heard about this, but I don't really. I'm not really up to speed on it. Well, but it, here's here's it's something to do with the parents getting way heli- too helicopter parents that think their kids are all NHL. Or, or, or Olympic type athletes. Now, this was this a girls team or a boys? A team? Girls team. So Larry Olam is a former NHL player. Took on the head coaching job of the Orono High School girls hockey team. Led them to a twenty-four and four record and a loss in the state title game. And the helicopter parents. We're sending him emails telling him he didn't. He was his his approach was all wrong. He wasn't promoting the girls. Some particular girl wasn't should have been captain and wasn't captain. I'm like none of that is any parent's prerogative or 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 uh, purview. They should shut the hell up and get out. You know, they're not. You you might think your kid is the greatest athlete on the planet, but the coach is the coach. Right, and especially an NHL player is now coaching your high school girls team. Yeah, they the should. They should have been just happy to have him as a coach. Well, my question is: Did any of his kids play on the team? No, no, none well, of his kids. They, don't have, they have nothing to bitch about. <clears throat> nothing. No, that's and that's a great point. That's that's a point, Steve. I've been listening to talk radio in Minnesota arguing about this. For the last week, and nobody brought that up. Did he have a kid on the team? And no, he didn't. Because that would seem like a, a solid r- reason to. Oh, how did this happen? How did they land us? Okay, you know they know someone on, or family on the team. <laughs> but no, it's it's these parents, and and so here's what happened: a parent, a parent who's who's the head of this group of parents. There's like four different factions, like I don't know, 22 kids, four different factions, but the most vocal ones. The leader of that vocal pack sent him an email saying, you're, you're not it. You should step away. We, we don't agree with you. And he sent her back an email saying, yeah, you're right. I don't know anything about hockey. I don't know anything about what I'm doing. I, I agree I should step away. This was a personal email back to this person. That's and, all he said. That's all That's he said. Yeah. And they took that email to school administration and used it as a resignation letter and let him go. You're kidding me. No, that's what they did. That's why it's such a big issue. So, Larry. That's, that's BS. Horseshit. I mean, it's complete well, horseshit. Yeah. You know what? Those parents should be ashamed of themselves. Well, they, they should. Yeah, they should be. They should be. They should be. And, and, They've been very protective. The media has been very protective not to release the name of the parents that did this. No, they should put it right on the front page. Let them know who it is. Yeah. Well, well, that's because they're trying to protect the kid. The kid. But, uh, but I, yeah. I, no, I agree. I agree. It should have been. It should be out there on the front page. But but also Mark Parrish. So the Orono head girls hockey coach prior to Larry Olam was Mark Parrish, another former NHL player who put out his own tweet saying, I lasted three years. Larry only lasted one. You parents uh, just don't have it. You should step away, is what he said in his tweet. Talk about a slam. I agree with him. I agree with him. 
And, and I'm like, this is, this is the generation we're in where these parents think their kids are the greatest athletes that have ever come along. And one of the, one of the, the, the criticisms was that he wasn't, uh, Larry Olam wasn't in contact with enough college coaching, uh, college uh, recruiters. program recruiters pushing these girls to, to you know. How old were they? Well, they're high, high school, school kids. High school kids that if, if, if they're that damn good, the colleges know who they are. Oh, shit, yeah. They don't need the coach telling them who Way they are. Way before they get into high school, they know who they are. Yeah. They have their scouts. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's my thing is so, so we're talking. And, of course, Orono is a suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul. And, of course, the state of hockey is Minnesota. That's what their claim to fame is. And all of these these area um, suburbs in Minneapolis are the hotbeds of hockey. So all these parents know better than any coach would ever know or any NHL player would ever know. And, I, yeah, I think they probably tar and feather these parents maybe. See, Keith has a relative uh, comment in the chat saying the parents are just looking for a coach they can control. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of with you. They're trying it's to. Good for him for not being that way. That's good for him. I'm all for it. I'm, you know. Oh, and I'm, if I'm, my kid's not good enough to play, He's yeah. not good to play, and 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 that that has been coming up in in the discussions is that so then in in these discussions on talk radio you were having parents call in that weren't the helicopter parents, <coughs> but had really talented kids that like scored like sixty points or fifty points or eighty points in ho- in the hockey season. But because they didn't have that helicopter parent out there pushing them, they got demoted when it came state tournament time for this other rich parent's kid to play. And that's been my thing my whole life is like the parents, when I was playing, yeah, when I was playing high school sports, my parents came to a handful of games in, in like four years, period. And well, where, where's the athletic director in in this situation. Oh, that's that's another point too. Is that he should be stepping up, right? He protecting I mean, the coach, man. That's his job. I, I don't think uh, my parents were going to go up to Sid Sitchi and tell him that. Oh, you no. all know, my oh, son no. should be playing more. Yeah, yeah. No, no. We, no. we had respect and stuff for our coaches. Uh, all the all right. the players on the team and all the all the parents. Yeah. Yeah, you didn't talk to our coaches. They walked in, they did their job, and they walked out. No one came up and said, "Hey, here's five or ten bucks or fifty bucks." You put little Johnny in at shortstop. No, it don't work that way. Well, and the parents, the parents didn't come up to the coaches and say, "Here, I disagree with what you're doing. Uh, you should be doing this, and and I think my kids should be playing more." That just never used to happen. Well, Monty, I I, I know you kind of you experienced this not only uh, last season. I mean, aside from all the. Uh, these just uh, numerous examples you gave on the coaching side, you got to see just overly, I guess you could say, you know, enthused parents dealing with their wrath on the broadcasting side for with broadcasting and hockey games, trying to hog the broadcast booth. Oh, oh yes. Boy, oh baby, did you light my fire there? I, what those oh, examples? Did someone just come up with that? Yeah. Because yeah, it wasn't. Okay. So, 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 so I, it, it, you know, on the side, I do like um, high school hockey broadcasts on the radio for AM radio in Grand Forks here. And I've, I've done it for like five years. And we just started back again after a two year hiatus, started doing high school hockey games. But because of the, the way the parents are and the um, 
uh, and also how easy it is to stream nowadays. Some yeah, wasn't it like some parents that, are bringing their own audio equipment and video equipment to do their own streams from the it, but it, from the press box. Yes, exactly. So so here's what happens. So so in in the Purple Arena at, at that they play the high school games and we have a press box, and normally it's just the radio or the TV station, but the parents are coming in there and they're setting up multiple cameras. So like four and five cameras in the media booth taking up all our space and getting in our... We can't even see the game because they're standing in front of us. Shouldn't you guys have jurisdiction to kick them out, though? Well, yeah, they shouldn't even be there. Yeah. They're, 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 they're not, there's no reason they're there, but they think because they have a camera, yeah. they should be in the press box. And it I'm just like, seemed like an easy little call to management being like, hey, <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't right. <laughs> well, all I know is yeah. if... if Hold on. Oh. I, I have to make a point on that. Uh, you got me uh for everybody listening nobody will be watching the footage you took from the fireworks on your phone <laughs> absolutely nobody will watch that so on, the fourth of, on the fourth of july just enjoy the fireworks put your phone down because nobody's watching that shit. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm all in on that shit. steve <laughs> agrees with you paul <laughs> uh, i'm with you and they got to spend so much bucks now. You go to the fireworks stands. I don't. I just drive by them, but it's like shit. You got to spend a thousand bucks to even get fired up anymore. That's it's a, like no, I'm, I'm out. I'm out on that. Let someone else pay the money. Yeah. No, and burn their hands. Burn their hands off. I've never been one big for the Fourth of July. Yeah. Well, I might feel as a kid. <laughs> you know, my dad used to tell me because because me and my two brothers we were older and I got I got I got. Six siblings, but I'm, I'm and I'm the oldest. But my two brothers and I, we were long before the others came along. And uh, three boys, much like you, six, I'm sure, begging dad to get some fireworks, get some fireworks. And he used to turn around and look at me and go, "Why don't I just burn my money? <laughs> Why don't I just light my money on <laughs> it's fire?" True. It's true. It's true. Yeah, very good point. Do the same thing. Yeah. Now I know we're down to about our last ten minutes. And I know you had a few other topics in your title, mine you want to cover. I know you're a, always been a huge advocate for four win school. I know there was some big news from one of their, or I guess you already covered him getting. Yeah, we uh, did yeah, talk about yeah. Dang Dang. I don't know. Dang if, Dang. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you heard us, Steve, but Dang Dang is a a nephew to Luel Dang, who plays for Four Winds High School out here in North Dakota and. Last year, they, they got knocked out in the region championship. The year before, they went undefeated and won the state championship. Um, he's going to be a senior. Uh, many people think he's the best basketball player in North Dakota. He's about six foot four. He can fly out of the gym. But he also plays football. And this week, he committed wide receiver, wide receiver and safety, and he committed to the University of North Dakota, Bill's alma mater over here. And, oh, nice, nice. And, and, and kind of stunned me because – his 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 prowess has been basketball and he's you know but like bill was saying he maybe sees a a a better uh path to the nfl than the nba so is he a free safety yes so wide Uh, he's a safety or yeah safe he's a safety but he's a wide receiver also and he's got he can jump great hands six foot four he was stuffing the ball left and right too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He dunks the ball in high school basketball games all over the place. And now, very, so how very, far, very, Go ahead. How far is the uh, North Dakota behind North Dakota State as far as football? I mean, is, are they getting they're, close to the same? They're right there. They're right there. They're right there. 
Okay. All right. I mean, they've, there were three years they've been a little bit behind, but now they're they're right up there. Well, the thing is, is NDSU has always maintained a scholarship advantage, and Bill Bill could probably talk more to that. I don't. It's not as pronounced as it was. I think it's more equal now. But well, they have the same yeah. amount of scholarships. Yeah. We used to have forty five. Forty when when I was playing, but this FCS gets sixty five, and then the FBS they can go up to eighty five scholarships. Full rides or partials? That that would be full rides, and some, okay. sometimes you you can't split some of that stuff up. They have to be preferred walk ons, but. Now with this nil stuff and transferring, I mean, it's just crazy out there. Now uh, the the draft thing I got mixed up though with to bring up was the NHL draft. We didn't get a chance to mention that yet, right? Well, we did say um, we didn't mention it at all. Um, I think that was in your title. Connor mm-hmm. Connor Bedard, the Blackhawk. So this kid has been on the on the radar for it almost seems like a decade. His name has been out there. He's won a couple of uh, uh, U.S. under-18 championships, gold medals. He's Canadian. What a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So he he hasn't won in anything for the U.S. Oh, okay. Okay, Bill. Thanks for clarifying that. I got him out of the WHL, (laughs) uh, Western Hockey League, at least where he's getting drafted from. Regina. Regina is where he was. Okay. Where's Regina, Bill? Um, right by Moose Jaw. N- north of Why Not, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, north of Why Not. Uh, but, uh, no, Car- Carner, uh, Co- Connor Bedard. Bedard. Um, I think he's played a lot of games in Edmonton because uh, that's, uh, I think, where his junior team was. And then... Um, and it sounded like the, I was kind of looking up some info on him. He had, like, a... a First Western Hockey League skater with at least 140 points in 20 in 27 seasons, uh, or excuse me, 27 games had a 30. Ah, here's the quote I got from from NHL.com: Skater with at least 140 points in 27 seasons and had a 35 game point streak, the most heralded NHL prospect since Connor McDavid was picked number one by the Edmonton Oilers in the 2015 NHL draft. Excuse me, heralded draft pick. So and from what I saw, there were like four different UND players that did get drafted, and I think they go up to seven rounds. Yeah, fairly late. Though. They just did uh, one round last night, so I watched most of that last night. And then today they were just going left and right. Just to get through the later yeah, rounds? They, they, go yeah. much, they go much faster. Any Kick big highlights from the juice. UND picks? Well, there, there's a guy named Perone, I think, is the first one for UND, and... Uh, a lot of these guys aren't even going to play in the NHL this year. Oh, none of them. Yeah. Most no, likely no, AHL. Most, no, most of these guys, some, some of them playing college. Because um, Fantilli was second, and he he played. He for already Michigan. played at Michigan this year. Yeah, but but he probably returns for another season in Michigan. And then we have... Oh, there's uh, a bunch of Boston College Will, and a Will, Boston, Will, Boston William U. William Smith uh, was a draft pick for the San Jose Sharks, and he's a Boston uh, college player. No, I got it. So he'll be there. And then um, I was trying to look up... What do you got there, Dale? Oh, no, I was just... We're, no, no, no. <coughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I got just a few minutes left here. Um, so, but 
was, I was kind of touching base. Bill, just make sure just like the top highlighted the, UND I, picks from the hockey draft. Well, there. you go ahead and do that because I want to talk about one other one of these other picks. And I want to make sure I know what I'm talking about. Okay. But go ahead and throw in those UND guys. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have the list on me here. I could, I could look it up here real oh, quick oh, oh, here. Oh, but, uh, well, you're doing what I'm doing. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, well, I got, I got the number two pick and the number three pick overall of NHL what, draft. I could, what, I, could, I, could, I could go over those real well, quick. Yeah, why don't you do that? But what... Where the hell is Keith Cummings when we need him? <laughs> uh, but number He's our hockey contact. Number two, uh, Leo Carlson went to the Anaheim Ducks from uh, the the sweet uh, the Swedish Hockey League. So and yeah, he had twenty five uh, points, ten goals, fifteen assists, seven power play goals in forty four games. The eighteen year old was named Swedish Junior Hockey Player of the Year after he led the all under nineteen players in SHL in goals and points and tied for first in assists. And oh yeah, I think that uh, Bedard, he's like 17, right? Or like he's super young he's also, 18 kid, or yeah. 17, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the third pick overall was uh, Adam Fantelli out of the for getting drafted to the Columbus Blue Jackets out of Michigan, uh, or getting drafted from Michigan there, and uh, yeah, won the Hobie Baker Award as the top men's player in NCAA ice hockey this season. 18-year-old freshman led NCAA players with 65 points and was tied for first with 30 goals in 36 games, had... 33 uh, uh, had points in 33 of 36 games and 19 multi-point games. Uh, Keith gave you a shout out, by the way, Monty. <laughs> he says he's sitting right here. <laughs> but uh, Monty, I guess while you're looking that up too, I guess on one other hockey note, the NHL had their year-end awards. Just a couple of quick hockey awards for this year. Uh, so rookie of the year went to Matty Beniers from the Kraken uh, Supersonic Steve. There you go. There you go. There you go. He was a gopher too. Oh, but we also we also had coach of the year, and for all intent and purposes, a lot of folks think Dave Haxtell got robbed. I thought he got it. No, he I got third. He was third. Oh, really? I thought he okay. Yeah. Then the MVP of the year uh, by the hockey writers went to Connor McDavid of the Oilers. And, uh, and then we have best goalie went to Linus Olmark of the Boston Bruins. So, uh, and also most outstanding award went to Connor McDavid also. And then, you know, we're just talking about uh, 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 Connor Bernard that got the number one pick there. He won the... E.G. McGuire Award of Excellence. So there you go. There's a few. There's a bunch more, but I won't go over them all. But, uh, Monty, I guess if you're still looking some other things up, I could give a real quick micro motorsports minute here if you want. Throw it away, yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I know what I'm talking about here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So Nashville Super Speedway for NASCAR last week. It was a slick course. Cars were just going caution all over the place, sliding all over. But Ross Chastain won the cup race. Uh, A.G. Allmendinger won the Xfinity race in overtime. Uh, the truck race was won by Carson Hosevar. So, uh, but we kind of talked, previewed it at the top of the show. NASCAR Cup race this weekend. First ever NASCAR street race in Chicago. I'm st- uh, stoked to see how that plays out. So love street races and, you know, F1, Monaco. Uh, just, just see NASCAR take it to that level with, you know, the stock cars. So. And what's tomorrow night? Tomorrow night, River City's. Speedway, Word of Outlaw late models. That's right. That's gonna, oh, it's the late models. It's not the sprints. Not the sprints. No, yeah, the late models. Dirty Thursday earlier today had a great preview of the World of Outlaw late models. They're supposed to have their new announcer on uh, on the show, but he couldn't make it on this week. But still, his shots going to be. 
I think he just does uh, Outlaw Sprints. I don't think he well, does. Well, he's done. Or does he like, done late models? He's okay. done late models too. Okay, I don't know if he's going to be there, but uh, uh, yeah, I know, you know. Last week for World of Outlaws, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, you know, they did the big four days of races at Houston Speedway in South Dakota, and that's saw David Gravel walk out of that with a quarter of a million dollar prize. So that was a pretty big deal. I saw the buses on TV one night too. <laughs> Yeah, the Mikko aired the Sunday night races. They're supposed to be Saturday, right? Or yeah, they're supposed to be on Saturday. I was supposed to, actually supposed to do the play-by-play for it, and uh, but no, the rain postponed them. But they were able to make up a, a day of bus races uh, the next night on Sunday night uh, after the regular. The crowd night pleaser. Yeah, Paul, you're there. Did you, did you get a chance to see the bus races at all last week? You had to leave before. Oh shoot! I always wanted to see bus races too. I've never seen them in person. I was so I wanted oh, to see the demo derby and. Uh, well, I'll tell yeah. you what the bus races. Uh, I thought you were interviewing some of those kids on the bus one time. Yeah, there was once. It wasn't for a bus race. It was uh, last year where they just brought some buses in to drive. Uh, we're in a bus with kids, and they had all the cars for that night. All like uh, the late models and sprint cars drive alongside the buses, and I interviewed the kids inside the bus oh, and okay. the, the, just taking in their looks and their just kind of their shock and awe of it all. It was it, it was it was a blast. It was it was a riot. So I did, I did finally find my story. All right. What do you got? Okay, so the fifth pick in the NHL draft last night was the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. And they had their goalie, their starting goalie, Carey Price, come out to announce the pick. Okay. He came out on stage and he said, the Montreal Canadiens select David and then dead silence. (laughs) He forgot the guy's last night. (laughs) Oh, man. And, and he stood there. This is ESPN coverage. And nobody has given him any help. No, finally a guy came running up and whispered in his ear, and he still stood there because he didn't hear him correctly, and he mispronounced the guy's name. Oh, shit. And he, and uh. So he said, David, and then he stopped, and he just stood there like a deer in headlights. And Reinbacher, he was the first defenseman selected in the draft, and I'm like, in any other draft, if, if if a guy had come up and said a guy's name, just his first name, maybe you know, but there's probably a hundred Davids sitting out there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many people are being crestfallen. Oh man. And and so what I'm reading right now off my phone is that uh, Carey Price, the goalie for the Montreal Canadiens, is has apologized profusely for botching this. Oh man. But I have never seen any draft. I don't care what sport it is. Somebody. Some some star from the team come up to the stage and just lose it like that. Well, why didn't he have an index card or something? Well, that's the point. Him? That's the point, though, Bill. Is like they probably said, "Would you do, would you like an index card, or do you think you?" Well, got of it? course, you know, shit. That's a yeah. That's or a, a teleprompter, you think? Yeah. Um, yeah, teleprompter. Yeah. And he got up there and he had nothing. He had nothing. He was looking around like like. like if you guys, uh, Mister Mister Irrelevant of the hockey. Oh world. gosh. Well, you, you just if you and guys what, number five, five the fifth, five? the fifth player. Yeah, the fifth player oh, selected man. in the draft. That's, he lost his job. Yeah. 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 Well, he, they'll never send him back out there. <laughs> well, it looks like we're, we're about to wrap up here in a minute or two. Any last uh, stories from anyone? I know I got one or two super quick things before, and I know Keith asked in the chat. Uh, yeah, you're right, Keith. I got on my notes here. It was uh, uh, the coach of the Boston Bruins won the Coach of the Year award. So yeah, and that was uh, Mr. Jim Montgomery. So uh, any, anyone oh, else? That's here? kind of a farce, though. Really, 
when you think about the Boston Bruins because they they had that big winning season with all the points and then they pissed it down the leg to their Panthers and I don't know that that's a better coaching job. First round? Is that a first round? Yeah, I think he was a Denver coach though. So I think Hackstall and him had to be pretty good buddies. Well, all I know, well, I, I suppose, but but I don't know that taking the best team and losing in the first round versus taking the Kraken and going where you went yeah. is a better coaching job, you know. I think so. I don't think so. No, I don't. I, I'd agree that, that that's that's a travesty. And Well, Hackstall's making uh, seven figures, and he was back in Grand Forks uh, at the Hugo's Grocery Store here week before last or so, and people still were coming up, and he was just as congenial and as friendly as ever. So, And then the only other thing I got here is uh, I'll give you a real quick 20 seconds of WNBA love here. Uh, Supersonic Steve, the Minnesota Lynx beat your Seattle Storm 104-93 to on Tuesday. I saw the highlights, so uh, give a shout-out to Nafisa Collier leading the Lynx with 33 points. Uh, the, they have a rematch tonight at 9 o'clock, or I guess 7 o'clock your time. There's your, your time, Steve. Going to be watching? I will probably not be watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I love it. And then Just to I, be honest with you, I no. probably won't watch that. I, I'll, I'll try to make it down there to catch a Lynx game one of these. If not this season, maybe next season. That may have to be on my to-do list. And then I watched an MLS soccer game, Minnesota United. I watched highlights, highlights of my first ever MLS game I saw on TV in a long time. I saw yeah the Minnesota United tied Real Salt Lake 2-2. Two to two. Real Salt Lake tied with like under like a minute or two left. It was it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Minnesota United, 5-7-6, and six, their win-loss draw record, 12th in the Western Conference. So that's all I got. Anyone else with anything else? I'm nope. good. No. Nope. All right. Well, that's, that's all I got, except Supersonic Steve. Anytime anybody asks you about sports, you just say the Wizard and Jack Sigma. That's all you got to uh, say. Gus Williams, Jack Sigma, throw Lonnie Shelton in there. Uh, no problem with that. Freddie Brown. Gus or uh, Gus Johnson, Gus Williams, and Dennis, uh, Dennis, Johnson. Dennis Johnson. There yeah, you go, yeah. and Lonnie Shelton. Yeah. yeah, you got to throw them all in there. Downtown Freddie Brown, but I always say Jack Sigma. Oh man, that guy was good. All right, he, he played in Milwaukee too, didn't he? Yeah, he did. That's where he went. Well, here we go, Steve. We'll see you later. All right, you take care. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to tonight's Fork Sports Highway. Catch us live every Thursday at 6.30 right here on Grand Forks Best Source Live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. If you missed us live, find our archives by searching GFBS on your favorite podcast, streaming, or social media apps. We're everywhere. Support GFBS by leaving us a five-star review on Google or checking out the donate link on the top of www.gfbestsource.com website. That's all for today. We'll see you next week.